0: You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, I'm a of this wonderful podcast. On today's podcast, it a solo show with me, and we're going to just do some general thoughts because... In my opinion, the Pacers are stuck in limbo at this very moment. I don't have a, of a, a show plan necessarily. I wrote down some notes on what I want to talk about the team. Kind of just want to go off and let, let's see where the conversation or my ranting takes takes me. Um, because this team has made no decision on, on its head coach at the moment, which is probably the most pivotal decision of this offseason, and it will be followed by a ton of different moves depending on whether they keep or fire Bjorkman. So, there's not much you can say with this team right now. I mean, I I've got some podcasts I'm thinking about later on doing uh, about the draft picks and where you know 13 pick usually gets you what valuable player, some pivotal moments this season and whatnot. But for me, I just want to talk about this season I and mean, what I think has been probably the longest season for me as a Pacer fan. I've been watching Pacers basketball since 2003 four, and through all the the really good times of that era to the pretty down times i would say like the 08 09 range when they just like were miserable this has been one of the most painful years to watch now i will say that some of those jim o'brien era teams were really really rough to watch cuz they were consistently just like where they are now consistently 10 11 seed in the east over and over and over again um but outside I mean, for most of my life as a Pacer fan, they've been good, right? They've been fun outside of outside. Like, even the year they missed the playoffs, let's say, in 2014-15. I remember going to—I went. I actually went to a Wizards-Pacer game in D.C., and it was fun. I mean, it was just fun because they still had some fun players. Roy Hibbert was, like, <laughs> fairly kicking around still. He was, like, kind of leading the team, but also not really. George Hill was kind of exciting that season. So they, they've been—you know, they were competitive, right? They weren't going to be as good cause they didn't have Paul George but they were, that season because he was hurt, but they were competitive, where this season— it feels to me like it's more like 2014 15 than maybe like 2000, and let's say six or seven, when basically after the Pacers um, lost Ridge Miller to retirement and the run on test saga, the, you knew for a while this team was going to in a rebuilding mode and wasn't going to be able to be like really competitive. The Pacers, to me, have some very talented players and are still competitive. They just need injury things to break their way, right? That's kind of how I think you can view 2014 15, right? They lost Lance in the offseason. And then obviously PG got hurt, so um, some compounding effects. Which at that point, I think Lance was kind of on a projection to be the team's second or third best offensive player, at least, um, or best, maybe second or third best two-way player. Uh, he was really good back then. Anyways, so I think this is more like a twenty fourteen situation, but I certainly am concerned, right? That the the team gave up on this season. I gave up is a strong word. I don't know the right way to put this. The team chose to have some some suffering this year when in successive moves, they announced TJ Warren was going to be out for the season and then they traded Victor Lebo for a guy who couldn't play right away. Right there, the team basically lost any opportunity to be a top, let's say six seed at that point. I think there were real aspirations once Levert got back, they could have got to the top, Got maybe got to seven or eight. And I think that could have been possible if a couple of things had broken their way. But also as soon as Levert got back, they had, they had injuries with Miles Turner. Bones had some injuries, Brian had some injuries, so like, they really couldn't get everybody together at once. Obviously, the TJ not out the whole season was uh, probably kind of the death knell of this season at the All-Star break, frankly, but, so, part of me feels like this team is not that far off, but what does that far off mean, right? When they lost Paul Jordan in 2014-15, the thought was always this team was a back-to-back Eastern Conference finalists. As soon as PG gets back, you know, he gets back to his top level on to become an MVP type candidate. That's where he was heading after that 13-14 season. They'll be fine, right? They'll pick up where they left off. Maybe they won't have uh, Lance Stevenson, but they'll have the combination or the, the the trio of David West, Ray Hibbert, him, George Hill. Of course, as we all know, 2014-15 was kind of um, a, like, changing moment in the NBA. That's when Steph Curry emerged and the Warriors um, all of a sudden became the team and the space and pace became the thing and kind of the rest is unfortunately history from there because that was sort of ran Rehbert out of the league. Larry Bird ran Rehbert out of Indiana. That led Dave West to leave. That left Paul George playing with um, in 2015-16 and 16-17. Uh, two Pacer teams that were just like devoid of talent and you know surrounding him with guys who weren't even in the league <laughs> two years later. Guys like Solomon Hill and Monte Ellis, and it was just, just bad. I mean, they just they totally blew the ball situation pretty much. But... Then they were able to, to to retool, right? They traded George for two players who ended up being pretty valuable, right? Sponis, who's an all-star, and Olipo had a really awesome one season with the Pacers, one and a half seasons. And the Pacers were competitive again, and they were, looked like, you know, after 2016 18 on a trajectory to at least be competing for the top four in the East and competing for an East Finals, right? And I think 17-18, 18-19, and 19-20, um, you could have made a case, they could have made these conference finals any of those years, right? Boston made it in 1718 and in 1920. I don't think Boston was like a remarkably, or at least better team than the 1718 Pacers team, um, right? The Pacers played the Cavs in the first round. If they didn't, they might have been able to get to the conference finals. Probably not, but they could have won a series that year. They just drew a really tough opponent. And in uh, I think last season, even if if Sabonis had not gotten hurt before the playoffs, they had a pretty good shot at at least winning a first round series. The Miami one, you know, again they ran up against Miami, who was the eventual conference winner. So they've lost, I think actually I think in three of the four seasons under McMillan they've lost to the eventual conference champion. So like there's there's some 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 salt in that, I guess, where you feel like, oh, this team really wasn't that far off. They just kept losing to the best team in the East, unfortunately, which is kinda kinda true in in, in some ways. Um, although I you know, I'm not sure they could have been the team to make it, but it does feel like this team right now at its best is, what, maybe cracking the top, four, maybe the four seed? That's the issue, right? The, the, the top three seeds, I'm pretty sure, are locked in for the next, I would call it this year, next year, barring some injury, right? I mean, you would think the Nets just get better. Philly's a juggernaut, and as long as it beats it healthy, they're going to be really good. And same with Milwaukee with Giannis. So... Basically, that means for the Pacers to win a first-round play, which is kind of like the goal of being competitive, they pretty much have to be the four or five seed. And then they're up against younger teams with obviously better coaches and at least one of them better top-line talent. And then, of course, a bunch of kind of veteran teams that just had down years this year, right? I think Atlanta better top, top talent with, with Trey Young than any Pacer player. I think personally, well, Sabonis maybe can compete, but Trey Young because, but Trey Young's amazing. I pro probably not. I mean, Trey Young's pro, definitely is in my opinion better than Sabonis. Although you could maybe maybe, maybe make a case because Trey's defense, but he's been stuck in the playoffs this year so far. So, who who knows with Trey? Um, Millen's definitely a better coach than Pacers have right now. Knicks better coach, maybe not the better top player, but definitely been really good. But then Boston, Miami are both teams that are lurking. Will probably. You know be competing for the four or five again next year if not if not higher in Boston's case I think and whoever Miami gets so basically the pacers even if they're humpton healthy are probably looking at the you know a four or five metric. It's a team that would they be favored against probably not so is that the the best they're going for and is that necessarily worth it and the, the reason they don't have a higher ceiling is because they're missing that top 1A talent. And that's why this team in some ways could remind me of the kind of 08 to 2010 Pacer team because they had a similar situation. But before we continue today's podcast, we have to go over to our wonderful friends over at rockauto.com, a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 plus years. Go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have Everything you need for your car at rockauto.com. We're talking batteries, lights, carpet, whatever you think for, you need for your car, you can get there. Your catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your car, and then you can choose a brand, a specification, and a price that you prefer. And best of all, prices are always reliably low on rockauto.com and the same professional do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts you for your car truck and write locked on, L O C K E D O N, in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you a main selection, live below prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Go to rockauto.com today. If you go back and look at those teams, they had Danny Granger, who was. Very good player. I'm not sure he was anything more than like a borderline all-star player. I think he might have made an all-star game in one of those seasons. I mean, he averaged 25 points a game one season, which was like incredible, 24 points a game. But the rest of the roster was was fine. I mean, they had a young Roy Hibbert on some of those teams. They had a young Tyler Hansborough, who was a, not a great pick, but was somebody that they had prominently played for a while and made big moves for. And a lot of like average players, Troy Murphy, um, Mike Dunleavy on those teams, just a solidly kind of, I would say, average team, right, with an above-average player, like a player who is borderline all-star. The team right now probably has 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 an all-star player in Sabonis, although, like, if you talk about the top 25, borderline, right, I'd probably say he's 25 to 30, and then a bunch of... Probably slightly more talented players. Um, you know, I like Brogdon, I like Warren a little more, I like Levert. And they're all young ish, I guess separately Brogdon. So there is like that opportunity or that, that chance that they could keep developing and one of those guys could become a a somewhat top level player, right? because I think that to win in the league at this point it looks like you need a you need either like a top five player or a you know, I guess in the Jazz case, you could say there's a really, really deep roster. That's nine deep with also kind of two guys who probably rank in the top 15 or top 20. And in the Suns' case, same kind of their top two seed, um, have two top 30 players. Chris Paul, who I think at his best is maybe even a top 10 player when he's like gets his 25 awesome minutes if he can stay healthy. And then a really deep roster, right? Both both Utah and the Suns have deep rosters. And the Patriots have a deep roster. I mean, that that's what they... they're their fortune right now they've got, you know, eight guys who could probably start on some teams and eight guys who all should be playing minutes in the NBA who are all NBA level players. They just don't have the one one guy. They don't have the, the top level talent and that's why right, the Pacers fortunes this decade uh, changed when they lucked out on Paul George in the 2010 draft right they as soon as they drafted paul george the team made the playoffs four straight years now the first year they made the playoffs i don't think was as much paul george as much as finally the development of hibbert had started to pay off they got some better coaching out of fogel when they when they fired him o'brien granger was really at his peak at that point 2010-11 i mean granger that was that that was probably granger's best season just when you when you look at it like in terms of like wins per points right so he's had Ranger had, a, you know, a 25 and 24 point a game season, but efficient wise, he was a much better three point shooter. in 2011, 12. Um, he was a slightly um, just more efficient player. If you look at like his turnovers were slightly down um, and he was just not taking as many shots and was becoming more of like a, a better, I guess, all around team player than just like a top line, like I'm going to score a bunch of points kind of player. He could finally like kind of give it up to other people that led to the ultimate signing of David West. Coupled with the, you know, West wanted to come here because he thought the Pacers were kind of an improving, you know, growing team. At the same time, also they had, they had the most money that that sort of helped, I think. But he saw the the seeds of something growing there. He stepped in. Paul George took a step up. Granger obviously got hurt, so that that kind of limited the team's opportunity. Where I think if Granger does get hurt, they're getting pretty freaking close to being a championship, championship level team. You know, if not upsetting the Heat one of those years. But the the fortunes changed when they got Paul George, a guy who. um in the playoffs at least in 2012 13 and 13 14 was on the level of a guy like lebron for at least like you know 3 or 4 games lebron got the better of him playing better throughout seven but there were 3 or 4 games where Paul was the best player on the court attempts cuz he was just that good and he's that good of a player i mean when he's on and at the top he can be really really good and he can he can get really really close to being you know the one of the best players in the league he just he doesn't have the consistency is kind of the issue with him sometimes. But when he's on, he's on. He's really, really freaking good. So that that kind of gets me to my next point of how do the Pacers get that top-level guy? Because that's what sort of has to change roster. And they're not going to get it, I don't think, in free agency. They don't want you to trade for one because you have to trade real assets to get a guy. So then you're losing that depth. So the only way to do that is to get – lucky in the draft and they haven't done well in the draft the last five years, right? If they had somehow hit somebody in the draft, they would have uh, this team would be totally different. I mean, it's just, they're just like, there's not really a young player on this roster right now where I'm like super duper excited. Now, I think they've gotten good value. Some of their picks, I think Goga's been pretty good I think they've hit some good second rounders, but there's no first round on this team where I'm like, oh, that guy could be like an all-star someday, right? If you go, if you look at just kind of the last let's say the last like four drafts for this team so in 2017, they ended up picking 18th, TJ Leaf. Fortunately, they were just kind of outside the range of where they needed to be for um, top-level players, right? So Mitchell went 13, Bam went 14. I guess Bam's roster would have been kind of screwy because that would have been like a third center, but Mitchell obviously would have, you know, the Jazz were in a similar situation to the Pacers four years ago when they lost when they lost Roy, uh, not Roy, but wow, when they lost Gordon Hayward. They lost Hayward. They were able to develop... Rudy Gobert kind of as like the next guy, which is kind of was a bonus. I think it's a similar comp, but they have Donovan Mitchell and they were able to sort of build on the fringes, right? They made the Mike Conley trade and then they sort of kept moving around, improving on the back. He went Jordan Clarkson and Bojan and already had Joe Ingles. So they built this really, really deep, deep, good roster. And the Pacers, I think are kind of the jazz without Donovan Mitchell at this point, right? Without that kind of level player. So I don't think in that draft, 2017, they really had the opportunity. I mean, you know, they could have got a better player, usually, don't get me wrong, but nobody, nobody at 18 ended up being a superstar or even, like, close to that. You can look at the same thing with 2018 a little bit. Um, you know, really from 10 down, a lot of good players. Shea Gillis went 11. The Pacers, I believe, in that draft, they... believe they ended up... No, it's like Aaron Holiday at 23. They had a much better better um season that year that was the, that was probably their 27, 18 when they were yeah they like almost up to the calves in the first round again nobody around him i mean anthony simons went to the trailway of 24 he's been pretty good off the bench for them but again there's nobody that like pops out nobody outside out of the top five of that draft and is uh right now at least is like a superstar trey and luca went three and five and those are the superstars in this draft for sure and then then you look at 2019 they keep going up i mean Obviously, Zion, Shaw ja, our next level. Hero went 13. Maybe Peter Washington is a, is a pretty good player at 12. Against those guys you wouldn't you don't know yet with superstars. But I guess what I'm saying is you got to hit on that draft, but you're still three years away at the same time, right? So the current roster is built for somebody right now to slot in, some big-name player just to come in and slot in and be the leader, right? It, it's really built for Victor Lodipo, to be honest, if we're being real. And before we continue today's podcast, we have to go over once again to another one of our wonderful friends, and that is BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We have got the basketball playoffs in full swing, baseball season going on, NHL playoffs, all kinds of sports action. You can track all of it on BetOnline.ag. You can get the latest odds, news, scores, sporting info. Anything you need for all the major sports, including UFC MMA, is over at BetOnline. And best of all, go to BetOnline.ag and sign up today. You can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. So head to the website, mobile device today. Don't on sign it anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as the teams prep for their playoff runs. Bet today on BetOnline.ag with a 50% welcome bonus we use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. And we are also brought to you by our wonderful friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar has been a wonderful friend of this podcast for almost, I think, over a year now. right? They have nine delicious flavors of these protein bars that are 100% covered in chocolate that we all love. We've tried them all on this podcast. My favorite one, I'll say it over and over again, is the peanut butter brownie one but it's something for everyone. They have coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So all kinds of flavors you can get. They are great if you're trying to maintain and lose weight. Just try to have a, have a snack. I like it because it's high in protein, right? The peanut butter brownie one has 18 grams of protein 180 calories. And right now, go to BuiltBar.com. It's promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You get 15% off your next order. Go to BuiltBar.com. and use promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your next order. Built Bar is one of the best protein bars in the market. We love it here on Locked On Pacers podcast. But obviously, Vic never really, right, never got healthy. That was the issue, right? The the, the roster currently was actually built really well to complement like a like a Victor Lodipo superstar emergence. Right, if you think about it, they had enough cap space to go get, go get a guy like Warren, help Burt come in the offensive load, a bigger defender. They can still get Malcolm Brogdon. Like, they've effectively used their cap space and done, done a really, really good job with it, just getting talented players, right? I mean, the alternative to Warren and um, and Brogdon is like some combination of J.J. Redick and um, Ricky Rubio, totally worse. So they, they've done an effective job, and what it was set up for was Vic comes back from injury, Gets back to peak form. They have to resign him next season on a bigger deal, but the team is a top four seed because they have Vic playing at his all-NBA level and a bunch of other guys filling in, right? If Vic played like a Vic is the Donovan Mitchell in quote quotes, quote unquote, this team is missing, right? If you if you had if Vic was 2017-18 Vic today, you wouldn't have Karras, but you'd have the rest of the roster, let's say. You could make a pretty easy comp to the Jazz, right? So bonus is the Gobert a little bit worse. Uh, Vic at the Mitchell, maybe a little better. I think 2017, 18, that was a better Vic season than probably any Mitchell season. Well, the Mitchell was really, really good this year. And then you know the rest of the roster is pretty good. You're adding in McDermott, Holiday, McConnell, Brogdon, Warren, to that Turner. I mean, you just got a lot of talented players around those those guys who are kind of your like one, your one and two, and then a bunch of like you a bunch of like two two ways, kind of like the way I think. Bagdadi is kind of a two A or a to be, I guess, for um, for Utah somewhere, you know. I think it goes, one is Mitchell, two is Gobert, and then by down the just kind of too he leads the offense, but maybe not defensively. And they, they just have the roster for that right now. They have the roster where if they could just get like, basically for free, a top talented player, they'd be really good next season. I mean that they just don't have that guy. So bonus, as much as you kind of want him to be or hope he could be. He's more, I think, a complementary piece than a, a leading piece in some ways. He's just—he's very good. He's very good at niching the offense. Things running through him, through him are really, really well. That. I mean, this team was so good last year with him leading that bench unit that that's kind of what you want out of your number two guy, right? The w- number one guy comes in and carries the offense with the starters, but your number two guy can can stagger and carry. And Sponis was the key to those bench units last year that were—or two years ago, sorry, that were, like, off the charts amazing. We didn't see any of them this year, and that was that was a hugely huge problem for this team. Um, so, like, I think that's where he, he just fits perfectly there in that kind of like two role. They just don't have the one. I don't know how they acquire the one, and that's the, that's the biggest conundrum right now, right? I guess you're talking about players that are maybe disposable. I means so O'Shea has jumped, and if you trust Goga, that means they have a backup center and they have a four. So that means there's one center available. They have the cap number on on Jeremy Lamb that's also available. It's like it's a twenty-eight mil, million dollars if you take the take one of the centers and then take Jimmy Lamb and then you take Aaron Hollings you have 32 million dollars so then you have the the actual money for a superstar level player but then you don't really have the assets right so now you're talking to probably give up like four first round picks and that might not even do it to get a superstar and maybe maybe that's the move maybe I just detailed this team just decides to go all in but that it's also extremely risky right I mean even if they got that superstar, they're probably not a championship team, but they're a good team. They're a competing for the top to the four seed team, which is a fun and exciting and enjoyable. But then you're, then you're just sacrificing two years of that, you know, and then all, all your picks in the future is probably not worth it. So then you're right up against the wall of like, what do you do? And do you just tank? And that's the other thing. It's like, I don't, this team's never going to tank because that just is not the way the Pacers roll. Because, I mean, I don't know. The famous wouldn't put up with it, frankly. Right? They just wouldn't get fans in the stands. They're going to tank. The best thing was due to tank during COVID when they couldn't have fans anyway, so it wouldn't matter. But the fans will put up with it. I mean, Indiana likes, like any, I would say any sports town likes winners, but especially kind of Midwestern, smaller cities. If you're not winning, you're irrelevant in those cities because there's, it's just, you're not, the sports are not top of mind the way I think in other cities they can't be. in the bigger cities where like, there's something about the, about the Lakers being an international brand and so important that Pacers are the local brand and if they aren't good, people don't care. Um, or they're less likely to care if they aren't good. Not that they don't care at all, but they just won't pay attention, won't go as many games, and that, and that hurts the team. That's viability, and it leads to, like, can the team even be sustainable in Indiana and so on. So they have to be competitive to be, be a sustainable team in the city and for the owners not to lose an ungodly amount, amount of money. Um, but they're stuck. I mean, that's, that's the, kinda, the, the kind of end of this podcast is, is they're stuck right now and i'm not sure a coaching chain fixes it I, I do think if they were to splurge for a mike d'antoni it could really work i mean they they did what was a high risk high reward play for and for a guy who they think oh, was really good x and o's but didn't really know him very well didn't really understand how he'd actually like be a you know manager or organization because the coach is you know ultimately he's a he's, he's a manager and you can be great at X and O's, but you can be a terrible manager. And that's going to be the issue where I think somebody like D'Antoni, who's got decades of experience as an NBA coach and assistant, knows how to do the X and O's and to manage an organization. So if they get them, get they would be great. And maybe you overpay on, on that for that coach, right? Because instead of overpaying for a roster, right? Going out and paying the luxury tax or whatever, you could pay a coach three or four extra million than you're comfortable with. But, in the, but maybe that reaps more rewards, right? I mean, could D'Antoni stretch this roster to the four or five yeah I mean I think D'Antoni's a top five ten coach of all time not all time maybe but right now in the league I'm gonna scratch it not not all time but if you if he was a coach today he'd be a top five or ten coach he was with Houston I mean he almost, Houston almost won the championship with him they were very close and he's always been a top five ten coach when he's actually out out there so that would make sense I mean there you could convince me of some other guys depending on what, how it shakes out with like boot and there would be a good fit here. Um Stotts could be a good fit. I mean, I think there are lots of good coaches. And Tony isn't the only one. But those guys are not cheap because they're experienced coaches who have histories of winning a lot of games and winning playoff series. And so the Pacers can can try to you know do high risk, high reward again for a young coach and hope they can hit. Or they can go out and pay like they should have done originally and pay for a real coach. And maybe that can be enough to push the team in the top four. Because if not, they're just going to be stuck in the again. If they bring back the same coach, they'll be just as average, even if they get Warren back, I think, and they'll just be in limbo, and so they've got to figure that out. They, I mean, I, I think Bjorkman ends up not surviving just because of all the stuff surrounding him, but, you know, after that press conference, who knows? I mean, it, it seems like there definitely is a financial weight on this team, and some decisions go with that, so we'll see what the Pacers do, but those are just my thoughts on the off season right now. I don't know if that was very coherent, organized, or whatnot, but I think the Pacers are, I think they're just stuck, and this offseason will be a really big tell if they're, where they're heading. If they don't make any moves, like on the roster-wise, then they're just sort of, I think, planning for an ultimate rebuild unless somebody takes off unexpectedly. They're planning for a rebuild in two years. If they try to keep improving and get slightly better, get a different coach, you could, make a case, that they're at least trying to be competitive and trying to figure out how to develop. Guy likes to bonus more, but... I don't know. I just think they're stuck at this moment, and and it's 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 gonna to be tough to get out of it. And I don't envy Kevin Pitcher, who's got a tough job ahead of him to figure out how to navigate this roster into, you know, this new NBA of superstars consolidating, kind of kind of kind of league. So that's all I got for Locked on Pitcher's podcast. Tony will have the show tomorrow. He is having a special guest. I can't say yet who, but he'll have a special guest on tomorrow's show. Then we'll both be back next week after Memorial Day to do a mailbag, so look for a tweet about that on our Locked on Pacers or on Tony's Twitter feed at TCNBA or mine from Adam5. That is all for his Locked on Pacers podcast, and we'll see you guys again tomorrow.